WKWZ, Syosset. Welcome back to WKWZ 88.5 Syosset's community radio station. My name is Colin Evans here for yet another episode of Friday Night Lights alongside my partner, Sammy Sherry. What's going on, my man? Happy Friday. Cole, happy Friday to you as well. Hope you're doing good. Looking forward to a great weekend of games for football. And we got some college football coming up as well as there's a lot of controversy surrounding the playoffs. Some NBA and MLB news sprinkled in as well. And looking forward to a great show. Yeah, we got a full schedule here, just like always, on Agree to Disagree, the nickname for our show. And we got a full slate of time today as well. So let's get right into it, starting with our weekly Thursday night football recap. So last night... In a rematch of the Super Bowl from two years ago, the Los Angeles Rams defeated the New England Patriots 24-3 in a beatdown on national television, sending New England further into the ground and Los Angeles potentially further up everyone's rankings and perception in the NFL landscape. So after another strong performance last night, where do you see the Rams finishing all the way down the road in the postseason when they inevitably make it. You know, Cole, I know you were very high on Jared Goff and the L.A. Rams before this season started, unlike myself, as I'm a big Kyler Murray guy and a big Arizona Cardinal fan in the NFC West this season. But I am looking forward to seeing what the Rams can do. Maybe some people say Super Bowl, another Super Bowl could be in their future as we said they were there two years ago losing to the New England Patriots who are obviously a much different team right now in their own right and I think they're not going anywhere and playoffs is gone regarding them but going back to the Rams I feel like they may soon have a stranglehold on this NFC Seattle had a very embarrassing loss to the Giants last week I know that was one of your picks and you got burnt again Cole but uh I mean, I can't say I did much better, but we'll get back to that later. Yeah, you've, you have but, uh, absolutely no right to make fun of my picks, Sammy. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe I should consider picking the opposite of my picks I would be. I'm going to, you know what? I'm coming on the show this week. I'm going to try to pick the exact opposite of the picks I would pick going on the record. Oh, well, that's an experiment for a lifetime. But hey, when your record is, um, let's go check the stats right now. Uh, 13, 29, and 1, you know, sometimes you do need to take some risks. risks. Not for and maybe, maybe it isn't even a, you know, a risk to go against your gut. So I guess that's what we're going to do this week when we go over our picks. But going back to the Rams, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that I've been a Jared Goff and Sean McVay fan for a long time. And I've stuck with them. And I stuck with them throughout last season when, you know, they really didn't replicate the season they had before, which is expected because, you know, People start to figure out this new style of an offense that a guy like McVay implemented into the Rams system, and especially Jared Goff. You know, everything was all smooth for him in that Super Bowl run. And then last year, they start to figure him out a bit more. Todd Gurley wasn't at 100%, and it was, you know, it was it was rough sledding for Jared Goff. But this season, you know, he kind of got himself together. He seems more like a leader now and, you know, has a better grip over this team. 
And they, McVay is another year of ex, uh, experience under his belt. You know, there was all that McVay hype a few years ago. He was like, you know, the second coming of Bill Belichick. Everyone loved the guy. But he's kind of flown under the radar lately, I have to say, Sammy, because, you know, you don't hear him talked about as much, you know, constantly on the day-to-day radio stations and news and everything. And quietly, sure. this guy is one of the best coaches in all of sports, and he's continued it, and he hasn't changed. So if there's anything that's really, you know, pushing my um, confidence in the Rams going forward, it's Sean McVay. You know, that hasn't changed for me for three years now. I love the guy. I love everything he's about. And I'm excited to see where he takes his Rams team. And I think it will be far, potentially, back to the Super Bowl. Cole, it is not out of the realm of possibility. The Rams, they may not have Todd Curley, that MVP caliber season he had that year. He may now be in Atlanta. But they now have somewhat of a mixed core at running back. And obviously, Jalen Ramsey arguably the best corner in football with Aaron Donald, the best non-quarterback player in football, anchoring that defense. I mean, that's two top 10, maybe even top five defensive players in the league right there on one defense. So obviously everyone knows that Aaron Donald can do, but Jalen Ramsey in the secondary locking guys down. I mean, he's locked down Hopkins last week, and that was to my surprise as I had Arizona – but I mean, we're gonna. I keep picking against the Rams, and they keep winning. So we're gonna have to wait and see what they will be able to do in January. Yeah, and no, I gave my whole breakdown of the Rams just now, and didn't even have to mention Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, who make incredible impacts, whether they're involved in the play that's happening or they're disrupting, you know, the best players that they're containing. Whether it's Ramsey locking down the number one receiver, what he does best, or Aaron Donald, you know disturbing everything happening at the line of scrimmage and no one does it better than him either so putting those two pieces in the mix as well as an offense that looks like it's really back to form and seeing Cam Akers last night have another fantastic game it's very encouraging for this Los Angeles Rams franchise to see that they're going in the right direction and everyone gave them a ton of crap about you know going all in and making the Ramsey trade and paying guys like Donald and Goff and everything along those lines And look what it's doing now. This team looks like they could be bound for another Super Bowl run. And in a year, as we've talked about in the last show, that literally everything is up for grabs. Who says the Rams can't go to the Super Bowl and maybe even win? They could be the most balanced team on offense and defense in the National Football League right now. I'm going on the record and saying that. When you really look at it in the grand scheme of things, the Los Angeles Rams might be the most balanced team in football. The offense has been playing at a very high level lately. The defense is filled with stars and has been pretty consistent. The coaching staff, led by Sean McVay, has been excellent and will continue to be excellent. They could, I think right now, they are my Super Bowl pick in the NFC, Sammy. Cole, they are not my Super Bowl pick, but as you know, I have not had the greatest of picks yet so far. As I've said, I would go on the record, and this week... I'm going to try something new. I'm going to reveal all my picks later, and obviously everybody should know that I would have went with the opposite team in the same scenario. So going to be a little interesting see how I fare, but looking forward to it. It almost would have been nicer if you didn't mention that because then you can go out on the next show and say, I picked against all my uh, my gut picks, and here's what happened. But moving And on if to- I win, though, then I could take the credit, so it's a win-win. I know it's a win-win, but you know it isn't a win-win. Your record right now. 
But um, Very true. moving on to the second topic from Thursday Night Football, we have to, of course, talk about the New England Patriots. So now that the Patriots sit at 6-7, and seven, coming off a terrible loss to the Rams last night in front of the whole nation's eyes, what's your biggest takeaway from this failed season? You know, there's a lot of elements that go into it. You know, the first year without Brady and, you know, having – Everything happened over the offseason, you know, the lack of preparation, the players that left the team through the opt-outs, the most in the league, you know. What's your what's your biggest takeaway? Why why have the Patriots failed thus far? Well, Cole, obviously we all know they lost your your very own Tom Brady, your very good friend from Michigan. Your uh he's like a brother to you as we all know, but uh I mean, that's maybe what it comes down to. But obviously, I think Cam Newton has gotten way too much flack. Yes, he started off the season looking very good. Everybody be like, Cam is back. And now everybody's like, Cam is done. So I feel like he's just gotten unfair criticism now. And somewhat maybe unfair praise at the beginning of the season. Somewhat of a combination. And I think his play is somewhere in between what people are really characterizing him throughout this span. So that's what I would say regarding him. And obviously, the defense isn't the same. Obviously, they lost Kyle Van Noy to the Dolphins, to name a guy they lost this offseason. And they produce great players, the Patriots, but unfortunately, they just cannot keep them, as obviously there is a salary cap in football. That is much more of a structured cap than a cap like basketball, per se, which is much softer. And uh, for this Patriot football team, I mean, they're not horrible. There are many teams worse than them. I mean, they shut out think- your Chargers forty-five to nothing the week before, and not not even a shot against no the Chargers. I'm just saying, the Chargers have been pretty decent on offense the whole season, especially with Justin Herbert. And to shut them out forty-five nothing and not even let them get a garbage time point, that's pretty impressive. You know, people thought New England was back on the right track, but then they go into Thursday Night Football and it's an absolute disaster against a good team in the Los Angeles Rams. So it's an interesting dynamic again. You know, with, with Bill Belichick coming in without Brady, personally, you know, as someone who's been following the Patriots a lot in terms of just all the storylines surrounding that team, you know, they didn't add Cam Newton into the mix until late in the off season, very close to the season. And, you know, Cam's an interesting case because he had really one good game against Seattle, and we quickly realized that we could call it a fluke because of how historically terrible Seattle secondary is. I mean, he absolutely tore them apart, but they still didn't win that game. You know, they got stopped on the goal line. So, you know, you're talking about evaluating Cam Newton. Why do we have to go easy on him? This guy has not been the same since his MVP season. I don't know what really happened. It could be his injury. It could be his confidence. It could be his lack of receivers. But the bottom line is the guy doesn't perform on a week-to-week basis and a consistent basis. And that's the reality that we have to accept about Cam Newton. And in terms of the Patriots team as a whole, you know, you look at their defensive unit, and I think people are still constantly forgetting about how many key veteran pieces they lost on that defensive end. And it's just important because, again, as we continue to talk about in a season like this, where there are so many variables and a lack of preparation, having the guys that you've run... Having the guys that you've rolled with in years prior is so important, and especially in a Belichick system where, you know, it's very black and white like that. And not having that key core, I think that was a huge loss for the Patriots, and it's showing. 
And the fact that they were able to pull out six wins so far and they get to play the Jets and Dolphins still. I mean, the Dolphins are obviously a good team. You know, they could, they're going to probably finish 7-9. and nine. But regardless, I mean, it's definitely not a great season whoa, by whoa, any whoa. means. Nor is the it even Dolphins, good. But 7-9, and nine, they are a much better team than that. Cole, no, you're underrating no, no, the Miami no, Dolphins. I said, I said the New England Patriots finishing 7-9. and nine. Oh, okay. They're 6-7 and seven right now. They played the, they played the Jets. Buffalo and Miami. I think they lose to Miami and Buffalo, and they beat the Jets in Week uh, Seventeen. Agreed. That would put them at, at seven and nine. So you look at them from a seven and nine standpoint, and expecting that to end up happening, unless they somehow pull off another win against Miami or Buffalo. And how do you evaluate them? I think Belichick didn't have his quarterback. That's an, an important point in my opinion, and I don't think people should take that loosely. You know, having a guy like Cam Newton that you can't really trust that much yet especially in this system and Sidham has been nothing special either I just don't think he was ever good in the first place so it goes into the offseason and Bill Belichick has a chance to pick their quarterback of the future so that will segue us perfectly into the next topic of discussion going into the offseason now they probably have a pick you know in the teens who do you think New England goes with under center in 2021 is it a veteran is it a draft pick what are they doing Sammy you know, Cole, I just actually wanted to bring up a point about that right before you said that, coincidentally, and obviously you touched on it. The New England Patriots could use some quarterback help. I think we could agree on that. I mean, Cam Newton by no means is a bad player, but you could always get better. And I would look at a guy, you may have to trade up for him, maybe not, Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Yes, he is very mobile, and maybe he would be a good to learn under Cam Newton maybe for a year. I don't know if Cam Newton is the type of player to let a guy under him learn, but he may, may not. If you want the job, go compete. And I think Trey Lance, kind of similar place, not exactly, but somewhat of a similar run running play style. And I think he's could be a very interesting fit in a Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels-led system. Speaking of Josh McDaniels, I know you touched on that game against Seattle when Cam Newton played great and they lost at the goal line. I think that was not Cam Newton's fault that they lost at the goal line. I was Josh McDaniels as I hated the play call on, I think it was like fourth and goal, and they gave it to Cam Newton. That I did not have a problem with, but he started so far back. They should have did it right at the line, and he just went full force. Instead, they decided to do a QB power and go from a shotgun and have him try to run it in. That's an extra three, four yards, and that was just not a very good plan for success. So I don't know if Josh McDaniels could navigate somebody like Trey Lance in that system. He may be a bit set in his ways, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, I think the future quarterback of the Patriots has a lot to do with the mindset of Bill Belichick. Is he planning on staying in the NFL for another decade and being the robot that he is? In that case, maybe he does take a chance on a project guy like Trey Lance. He has nothing to lose. He doesn't have a job on the line by any means. He is an excellent offensive coordinator who seems to want to stay in New England after his failed head coaching stints and, you know, one-minute stint in uh, Indianapolis a few years back before he left and went right back to... Um, New England, maybe they do take a chance on a project guy like Trey Lance. That would be an extremely intriguing opportunity, and they have to bring in the receivers to make it work. But personally, I think Belichick, you know, in 
really looking at it, evaluating his situation, maybe four to six more years in his career left in New England as a head coach, you bring in a veteran. What about a guy like Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan, a guy that Belichick could work with right off the bat, that knows, that can understand the system quickly, they still have a good enough defensive core, and they could figure it out. They still have some decent weapons, especially in the running game, like James White and Rex Burkhead and Damian Harris, who have you know, proven to be a pretty decent trio this year. There's, there's still nice pieces on this New England team, so let's see what they do. You know, Cole, Matt Stafford is a very interesting pick. I did not think of that, and I actually love that pick. I think it could be... Sorry for the Bills here at Syosset High School, as we like to say. But going back to Matt Stafford and the New England Patriots' possible fit, obviously Matt Stafford was just a quarterback under Matt Patricia, a coach for the Detroit Lions who obviously was given his papers to leave. But uh, maybe he's going to join Bill Belichick's staff again. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Maybe he'll do something with a defensive staff, and maybe that will entice Matt Stafford to come back. I know a lot of people say that Hold on. Patricia you think Matt, get... You think Matt Stafford wants to follow Matt Patricia back to New England? I mean, I know Matt Patricia didn't get along world, with anybody in that Lions locker room, but who knows? You... Crazier things have happened. Oh, that's like that's like Adam Gase taking a job as like the water boy in uh in like Indianapolis, and then Darnold being like, you know, what, I want to go there again. That's ridiculous. I think Patricia I mean, would be a nice fit back in New England, where he was comfortable, similar to what McDaniel's did. You know, uh, quick head coaching stint completely failed, and you know, started square one. But I think it would be interesting to see Patricia back in New England. I think it's a great spot for him, and I think Belichick would welcome him with open arms back into New England, considering his success there. But personally, I think they go for a veteran quarterback. We'll have to see what happens. But we're going to move on right now to the NBA offseason. But first, a quick weather check from everyone's favorite guy, Sammy Sherry. All right, Cole, thank you. Looking forward to a great weekend of football. And with the weather this week, we have a today a high of 52 and sunny. But tomorrow, we will have a high of 54, but a low of 48. But, folks, don't get too down. But, unfortunately, we will have a 70% chance of rain. But, don't worry, on Sunday, a high of 59 and a low of 39. And there's only a 5% chance of rain. A great day for football. We have some great games coming up this week. We're going to give our game picks later. And, as you all know, I will be picking against my picks so this is going to be interesting and looking forward to a great weekend of football, great weekend to play outside, great weekend to go some swimming, assuming you're not in the New York area. But uh, looking forward to a great weekend of football and back to you, Cole. No, Sammy. I love numbers in, uh, in the 50s around this time of year. Absolutely love them. That's prime time for being outside. I'm going to take every second as I can you to know, take advantage. Cole. 50s, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I, where I will be going, I will not be in 50 degree weather, so. Will it be, will it be 80s? It will. Oh, I'm jealous, man. I'd do anything to take a trip right down the South Beach right now. But before we move on to our NBA talk, just some quick school promos. The Awareness Club is hosting a Thanksgiving food drive for Island Harvest. It will be taking place from... 
already on November 3rd, uh, November 23rd. It started all the way until December 16th, which is five days from now. Please donate any canned foods, meats, any toiletries you have to this food drive slash item drive. And there will be boxes in front of the student lobby for all the students to place their items in. And one more, attention all juniors and seniors, registration for Spring Driver's Ed ends today, Friday, December the 11th. So if you haven't done that yet, do it now. The link is emailed out to all of your parents. It's also a QR code on the Driver's Education Bulletin Board. So if you want to come back to school quickly, I don't know how you're going to figure it out, but, you know, you can do your best. It might be a little bit too late, but, you know, give Mr. Faber a call or an email, and maybe he'll get back to you. And our last one, join the Voices Amplified Committee. See what I did there? We help amplify BIPOC voices through events, highlights, and campaigns. Join the Remind for important updates by texting at SYOVA, that is S-Y-O-V as in Victor, A as in Ashley, to 81010. The first meeting will be held virtually on Friday, December 4th, and the first Friday after Thanksgiving break and the a Friday coming up. So those are the two previous ones that you missed. Maybe call a friend that's in the club, and there's one coming up next Friday. So that's all for school promotions. And now on to hoops because it's looking likely that we won't have a hoop season, unfortunately, at Syasa High School. It might just be an NBA and college basketball season to watch and follow. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. But right now, the college is even up in the air right now. Yeah, you know, you see what Coach K came out and said the other day, you know, kind of blamed the team's struggles on COVID. You know, people gave him, you know, a lot of, you know, slack for that. But I have to agree with him. You know, there is absolutely no easy circumstances at this time. And the people from the outside have no clue what's going on behind the scenes. So if a guy like Coach K, who has a lot of respect around just sports in general, not just college basketball, comes out and says something like that, I think, you know, I think you can't just immediately go, you know, he's wrong, he's just making excuses. I mean, what do you think about that, Sam? I mean, Cole, you're probably right. I mean, Duke, since that Zion recruiting class, I feel like they haven't, I mean, their expectations have been so high, I feel like that has somewhat trickled down to last season and this season, and maybe that could also have been decreasing the productivity level. But uh, as you said, obviously these are some very tough circumstances and they could be affecting many different people in many different ways. And we are not in the heads of those players, even though we like to come on and say certain things. We are, at the end of the day, just some people in some rooms doing a broadcast, but uh, we're not actually on the court. But uh, I think there's definitely some flack to be given to Duke for the poor play. But also, I feel like there's definitely an excuse to be made as well because of these unfortunate and very hard times. Yeah, you know, you're talking about the mental state of these players, but I think playing college basketball and sports in general, whether it's professional athletes, collegiate athletes, amateur athletes, high school athletes, middle school athletes, elementary school athletes, whatever it is, you know, if they're able to find a way to play, it is very beneficial for the mental health of these athletes, especially, you know, myself, I can relate as a multi-sport athlete myself, being out of the game for such a long time, it kills us. It absolutely does. So getting back into the game, it means more than a lot of people think. And athletes will 
do anything to get back on the field, whether that means sacrificing, having plans with people when they're at risk of COVID and everything along those lines. They'll do whatever it takes to get back on the field and do the thing that they love. And especially for these college athletes, they'll sacrifice a ton if it means getting on the court and doing what they were brought to the school to do, which is, you know, play sports and live up to what they had in high school. So finally, let's get to some NBA talk. We're going to start with NBA offseason chatter as the offseason is quickly coming to a close tonight. Preseason starts when that Friday night when that Friday night Knicks music not Friday night lights Friday night Knicks music comes on tonight at seven o'clock. That's you know uh, two and a half hours from now. I'm gonna be on that. I'm gonna be on the edge of my seat. I miss that music a ton, Sam. Absolutely. Didn't the season just end? What? Didn't the season just end? Oh, uh, the Knicks season. Oh, well, I mean, what? I'm confusing what, what joke yeah, you're trying yeah, to make. In general, right it literally just ended. It feels like, and we're already getting. Oh, back that seems up like forever playing. ago. With the with the Lakers title, that feels like ages ago. No, I mean, the the Knicks last game feels prehistoric at this rate. You know, it's that been it's true. been forever since they've played. And what today's the 11th, so it's been what now nine months since the Knicks have played in a basketball game. That's unbelievable. Almost. But you know, I, I miss them a lot. And I'm excited to watch them play. You know, you can talk all the crap about them as, as, that you want, but this is a new team, a new era potentially in New York, and you got to be excited to see them play. But let's stay on topic here. The Clippers extended Paul George after the playoff nightmare to a contract to keep him in Los Angeles for years to come. Sammy, was this the right move for the Los Angeles Clippers following their meltdown against Denver in the playoffs? You know, Cole, I go back and forth on this one. When I think to myself, is Paul George worth $190 million? I mean, I'm not exactly sure. That's more money than the Bucks could sign Giannis to right now. And we obviously all know how good Giannis is as a player if they just signed him to a four-year deal. But uh, I feel like this Paul George extension, it, the Clippers, they put themselves in such a deep hole where – it was they had to do this. They gave up so much for him. Five first round picks, not including swaps, that is, in addition to the swaps, and Shy Gilgis Alexander and some other pieces. That was a very big surplus of assets that you gave for Paul George, who yes, he was a top three MVP candidate at year they traded for him. But when you look at it, will it keep Kawhi in LA next offseason and for the foreseeable future. That's what really everyone wants to know, and we can't really give a clear answer. We're going to see what he does with Paul George's season and if they could coexist and possibly win that NBA Finals that they've all been looking forward to. They haven't ever made the third round in their history of being a franchise, so that will also be highly coveted, I'm sure, and I feel like it's going to be an interesting season in both LA teams as the Lakers are coming off a very long drought here, a very short drought, I mean, and are could be a little tired and not have enough rest compared to other teams that may have rust. The best teams will be the teams that got knocked out in the bubble early, probably, maybe like the Suns or the Grizzlies, maybe the the Trailblazers, teams like that, who either got knocked out before the playoffs or in the first round, as they'll be a little more fresh. But uh, 
I feel like the Clippers has had to be done, but it not necessarily is a good move, but it was a necessary move. How about this for a take? Not only was it a necessary move, I agree with you on that end, but I think it was a good move as well. And that's going to be extremely unpopular. I can already tell that, you know, this isn't going to go over well with our audience. But here's the deal. You know, I felt like their loss to Denver in the series was a bit fluky. You know, they win one game and they're off to um, uh, to play the Lakers to battle for an NBA final spot. And remember how scared uh, a lot of people were about the potential of the Clippers being the Lakers until they completely choked against Denver. And based on some of the comments I heard from Paul George this offseason going all in on Doc Rivers, who clearly he didn't have the relationship with that many anticipated because it was an actually a negative relationship, according to Paul George and many others. I think having, you know, a new leader in town and the second year of having Kawhi and Paul George together, look at that. Look, I understand that Kawhi won his first year in Toronto. It's not impossible to achieve completely to different win, circumstances to win in your to win in your first uh to win in your first year but you know the expectations were extremely high for this clippers team in their first year playing together the two best players in the team have never played together before and let alone all the rest of the role players on that team so maybe they gave themselves a uh you know a nice check in the mirror since getting knocked out of the bubble and recognize what they did wrong Kawhi and, and Paul George maybe did some talking, recognized their faults, and got over it. And I'm excited to see what the Clippers do. I think they're honestly one of the more underrated teams in basketball right now because everyone is basing their perception on them off of that horrific collapse in the bubble. And based on how well they played throughout the season, how consistent they were, they looked like a well-oiled machine throughout the year. If they could get Paul George back to form and he's a little bit motivated concerning all the criticism that he's received, the Clippers could give the Lakers a run for their money. I really don't know. Look, I'm a huge Laker guy myself. I think the Lakers are still going to be, I'll even say it right now, I'm not even going to wait for a prediction segment. The Lakers are my pick to win the NBA Finals this year yet again, as I think LeBron, by the end of his career, will hit six championships. I stand by that. He's going to tie Michael Jordan on that end. But in terms of the Clippers... I'm not giving up on them yet. You know, we talk about stocks a lot on this show. I'm holding on to that stocker. I'm buying low on them. I think the Clippers could make a nice run this year. So, you know, don't cut the cord on them just yet. I want to see one more or two more seasons of Kawhi and Paul George before I call it a complete failure. You can't just base it off one series, in my opinion. Was it good? Not at all. But we'll see what happens. Cole, you touched on it, I mean... The Clippers, I somewhat disagree that it's not the greatest of signings, but as I said, I think it was a necessary signing that had to be done, not necessarily the greatest of signings, but I feel like it was the Clippers' only a pathway to future prosperity as an NBA franchise. So, Cole, getting to another team in the Western Conference who maybe isn't on the echelon as the Clippers, but still is a superstar of their own, who has had rumors to go to the Clippers a bit and... There are a few other rumors about him where he has been and where he will go from here. James Harden and the Houston Rockets fiasco. So, at this point, what do the Rockets do? I mean, they have clearly stated that they would like to keep him. And James Harden, obviously, we all know, wanted to go to the Nets. And he's like, I'll go to the Sixers. 
Now he's saying he may go to the Bucks, the Heat, all possibilities. He he seems like he wants to go to a contender. That's his main objective and just doesn't really want to be in Houston. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll continue my theme on James Harden, and now it's strengthened by all these recent events. I never thought that a team could build a championship roster around James Harden, and I'm sticking by it. And seeing this whole off-season drama right now and him not even being committed to the team, it further strengthens my opinion on him that the Rockets have a great chance right now to, you know, I know they just traded for John Wall, but, you know, it was just a swap for Westbrook. They were going to have the same deal regardless. Um, In terms of Harden, if they want to pull the plug on him, I really don't have an issue with it, Sammy. I don't think they can build a championship roster around him. And as a leader, it it just doesn't look like his head's in the game right now. He looks out of it. And in terms of their future, I mean, they could get a King's Hall for James Harden. And it would be really interesting to see what they can do to, you know, utilize those pieces and go in on an all-in rebuild based off of a head start from trading their superstar talent. And again, continuing you know my views on common themes like this, I don't like to have players that are not all in, especially superstars. You know what we talked about last week? I like my superstar to be a leader of my team, not a guy that is causing negative drama and press to the situation. James Harden, in this case, all of this is negative right now. It's a negative outlook on the Rockets' season. They're only going to regress in, to, in many people's eyes. And it doesn't look like their future is too bright right now. And with James Harden, I think there's a real chance that he is traded. Cole, James Harden very well may be traded, even though the Rockets have adamantly said that they would like him to be a Rocket for now and possibly a Rocket forever. But the thing is, you said they could get a King's Ransom, but... Will any of the contenders, maybe that I mentioned, or maybe some other contenders that James Harden would want to play for, be able to give this King's Ransom and willing to give this King's Ransom? I can't see it happening because, we again, we talked about this again last week. You know, just because James Harden is the kid in the candy shop picking what he wants, it doesn't mean he's going to get it. He can go say he wants to go to Milwaukee or Brooklyn or the Clippers or this or that. But the reality is those teams don't have the assets and firepower and cap space to, in, in simplest terms to trade for James Harden. So he's digging himself into a hole right now that either he's going to have to stay in on the Rockets and bur- burning bridges by the day apparently or he's going to have to settle on a, another team that's not a contender. So we'll see what happens. But with James Harden, you know, as a Rocket, if I were a Rockets fan, I wouldn't be too confident in having a future built around him as the superstar and leader. But Cole, you got to remember that the Rockets gave so many of their first rounders away in that Westbrook deal to OKC, where years down the line, they could possibly be in a Brooklyn Nets situation. So they have to find some creative ways to accumulate some young assets. Obviously, yes, James Harden is their cream of the crop currently. And maybe a team like Brooklyn Brooklyn could give them some decent players, not obviously equivalent to James Harden, but some decent players. Not necessarily anybody really that young, though, or any high 
future draft picks, maybe a team like Miami, maybe if they're willing to give a Tyler Hero centered package, who I know they're very high on and are very hesitant to give up. If I was Miami, I wouldn't be against giving Bam out of bio. I know everybody's like, whoa, 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 Bam out of bio, one of the best centers in basketball, which I, I disagree with, but that's a story for another day. But, uh, I feel like maybe centering a package around him going back to Houston could be an interesting package for both teams. I don't think Bam Adebayo could operate a team as a leader, really a two option, honestly, as I feel like offensively he doesn't have the great firepower and star level abilities than like maybe a Carl Anthony Towns has as Bam's more, I feel like a rim running type center who, yes, is great at defense, could switch on all guys and, People got to remember he only shot 7% from three, but uh, I feel like it's going to be very interesting where the James James Harden and the Houston Rockets as two separate entities go from here. I really don't like the idea of the Heat going after James Harden. Why screw up something that's on such a good track right now? It looks like they have an unbelievably unique and creative and strong foundation of their team. Why wreck it by getting a ball-dominant guy like James Harden that's going to attract all the attention and he's proved year after year that he isn't the type of guy that you can build a championship roster around, in my opinion. And the Heat have this nice core right now. They can build. The fans love them. Why screw it up by trading for James Harden and having him compete for touches with a guy like Jimmy Butler, who, again, people are forgetting, was unbelievable in the NBA bubble and has established himself around the top five in the NBA right now, potentially of overall players. Cole, I completely disagree with that. Sammy, he was was spectacular in the bubble. Spectacular. Maybe he's not top five. Maybe he's more in the seven or eight range. You know, personally, I don't buy into overall rankings of players so much. It's a team game. And if Jimmy Butler can fit in with the rest of that Heat team right now, I don't see a reason to screw it up by going out and trying to trade for Harden and giving up pieces like Tyler Hero, who might, again, might be a little bit overrated by the NBA community right now, coming off his amazing performances. But considering what he did, I mean, he deserves the respect that he's getting around NBA circles right now. He was, again, spectacular in the bubble. So for a Heat team that you can say what you want about their path, still had a really good run. Why mess it up by going out and trading for Harden right now? Personally, keep the young core seat you have. If it messes up, then so be it. But I wouldn't go and try to rush it by trading for James Harden right now. Cole, Pat Riley is always looking to add more sheep to his flock, and James Harden could be that next very shiny new sheep. But I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Damn right, Sammy. Damn right. All right. So, before we get into our NFL talk, for the next, I would say, seven or eight minutes, let's do some rapid-fire NBA season preview questions, going back and forth, answering both questions ourselves, about you know, some of the notable teams and headlines in basketball right now as the season, as you said before, is quickly approaching. So, let's start on the Eastern Conference from top to bottom, the Milwaukee Bucks. Can you see them taking the jump that they need this year to get to the NBA Finals and potentially doing enough to keep Giannis in Milwaukee? Cole, I cannot. It's going to be the same old buck, same old deer. I think Giannis is 
possibly a front runner for MVP, definitely up there in the upper echelon of candidates. But I feel like him and the Bucks are not going to make it to the finals again. I feel like they're going to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. What about you? Do you want to reveal who that team that they'll lose to is, or is that just a bold statement? You know, they'll, they'll that lose That is going to be revealed at a later date. Okay, we'll see about that. In terms of the Bucks, I just don't think a team, you know, I'm one of the, not a hater of him, but, you know, I'm not a Chris Middleton fan at all. He's one of those guys that are always, oh, he's so underrated, but in the reality, he's one of those boring stars in all of sports. I mean, it's just like, Chris Middleton, really? So I don't think a team led by, you know, Chris Middleton as a two or three star compared, you know, they have Drew Holiday in the mix now, which will be really nice to see what happens. I think they definitely improved. That's a big point. I, I just don't think a team that this team right now can make it to the NBA Finals. But we'll see. You know, maybe Giannis will prove me wrong. He owned up to his playoff failures this offseason. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the finals by any means. You know, this team was spectacular in the regular season, but they were a big disappointment. So, you know what? Maybe we'll go through all of this right now, and then at the end, I'll give my conference finals prediction. Because in my head right now, I'm kind of trusting my gut. I and will then, too. Something, I do. I wanted to. I know, do it on this show, Cole, but me... you said to save it for a later date. So, maybe, wait. All right. How about this? I'll make a deal with you. We'll do it after um, we go through these rapid fire questions. Sounds and, good. No, my my gut's kind of switching on me right now. Maybe maybe I will like Milwaukee because of Giannis. Who knows? Um, we'll determine that in around five or six minutes. But let's go on to the next one. The team that took down the Bucks, the Miami Heat. Can you see them making another Finals run this year? Cole, absolutely not. As I said, I think Bam Adebayo, even Jimmy Butler to an extent, and Tyler Hero out are outrageously overrated. Jimmy Butler, obviously a great player. I feel like he's on that borderline, honestly, of top 10, top 12-ish, somewhere between that 8 and 12 range, definitely not in the top 7, I would say, in contrast to you. But uh, I would say that Bam Adebayo, as I stated earlier, clearly I think is very overrated, and Tyler Hero, somewhat of the same. And I feel like this Heat team, yes, they have a great system, great culture, great established veterans, and a great just overall franchise that's ran to the full extent of how an NBA franchise should be ran. But uh, we're going to see if they could make a splash for a James Harden. Who knows? Maybe they'll pry Giannis away next offseason. But uh, the Heat, that's a no on the NBA Finals. I'll say this. I would not be surprised if they were able to make it back to the Finals this year. I talked about it before. I love what they have going on there. I love their core. I'm a big fan of Jimmy Butler. Would not be surprised if Miami went back to the NBA Finals. Moving on to another interesting Eastern Conference team, the Philadelphia 76ers. I think we can both agree that this year will either be a turning point for the better or worse for not Great. only you know the 76ers franchise, but more specifically, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid's shaky relationship. What path do you see them finishing on or heading on at the end of the season? Cole, I'm expecting very big things from Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I think Ben Simmons is going to play great this season, start getting some of that recognition he deserves. I remember when they went on that stretch at the end of that season when Embiid was hurt and Simmons led them. And he, I think Joel Embiid is obviously a top two center in basketball. Obviously him and Nikola Jokic are 
probably the two upper echelon in the center hierarchy. But uh, I think this will be a turning point for the better. If you could read the tea leaves on that one for Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and the Philadelphia 76ers. They finally got rid of a joke in Brett Brown. I'm not always a huge fan of Doc Rivers, as obviously with that Celtics team, he had that big three and obviously a great core. But uh, I feel like this Sixers team, it will be a turning point. You know, Sammy, I'm a big fan of both Simmons and Embiid individually. I've always had my doubts about their partnership over the years. I just don't think they have the relationship required. And, you know, constantly we see them being asked by the media, you know, how close are you with uh, with the other, as in Embiid and Simmons? You know, how do you get along with him on the court, off the court? And the answers just don't seem genuine time after time. Whether you like them or not, they objectively, they don't seem genuine. You know, they always say, like, yeah, you know, I love Joel, I love Ben, this and that. But, you know, it's never you never really see them having the relationship that they should have as superstars. But individually, I think they're two fantastic players and that they could mesh together if they really figure it out. You know, you kind of get a bit of a Kobe and Shaq vibe from it. Just because they're not the best of friends at the time right now doesn't mean they can't coexist in the court. And we saw, you know, uh, not too long ago, they were extremely close to making it to the NBA Finals. So I think, as you said, with a change in head coach, bringing in Doc Rivers, a bit more stability... I could see the 76ers having a really nice season. So how about this, Sammy? Turn for the better this year. I think they're going to figure it out. Um, Moving on. The Brooklyn Nets. How will KD and Kyrie coexist? And at what level will Kevin Durant's health be at? They will somewhat to an extent be able to coexist, but KD is still going to be a great player, but not the player he once was. You just don't see guys come back from Achilles injuries. Name a player that has came back from an Achilles injury fully healthy, back to his upper echelon superstar form. In addition to KD getting older, I mean, he's not the 23-year-old he once was, so I think that's going to definitely see a decrease in his production, and I just don't love the partnership between him and Kyrie. Both are very ball-dominant. Russell Westbrook, obviously, was very ball-dominant. Kyrie Irving, bit different play style, but somewhat of the same. Sam, I'm going to have to agree with you right here on that one. I've been a big advocate, no, or non-advocate, for this partnership between Kyrie and KD. You know, it seems like they're good friends. Maybe they'll get along, but I think when, you know, push comes to the shove on the court, they won't be able to coexist the way that many expect. And KD, at best, maybe he's 85% this season. Who knows? Still going to be a great player, but I just don't think he's the Kevin Durant of before. And I think he's going to be very limited in his first season, so we'll see what happens on that end. Um, we're skipping around here. Lakers, will they improve the season? Quick answer. Cole, I don't see any room for this Laker team to improve as they won the championship last year. So if you could read the tea leaves a little on that one. I think they improved the season. I, th- I love what they did this offseason. I think they still had a lot of, you know, kind of fat to cut around this team. And they and they figured it out. So I think the Lakers actually do improve this season, if that means anything to anyone trying to read out our minds right now. Um, we'll skip around right here in the interest of time. Dallas Mavericks, Luke and Porzingis. Could they bring Dallas to the top of the Western Conference in terms of, you know, those top three or four slots? They can. We don't have our NBA predictions yet today, just our conference finals and finals picks. But the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, I feel, are a very good partnership and now in the future are going to be NBA finals contenders. You know, as much as I don't like... 
Porzingis for everything that happened with the Knicks. I do still love him as a player, and if he can stay healthy with with Doncic, who I think is spectacular and somehow still kind of underrated because he's just an unbelievable player. I mean, they the sky's the limit for this team. So I would be the least bit surprised if they got a top three or four seed in the West. Um, we'll end off with one more question. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, what are your expectations for them this season, especially after kind of a wacky year last year? Cole, obviously, the NBA will be implementing that same playoff format that they did last year with the 10 teams. So I think New Orleans will be inching in towards the bottom half of that 10 teams and will win a playing game to get to the that top eight seeds. And unfortunately, though, I think they'll get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, but I think they'll be steadily improving, but I'm not a huge fan of Zion's long-term health, but what are your thoughts? No, I happen to really love the individual players on this Pelicans team. I'm I'm still a very big Lonzo Ball fan. I think he has a lot of potential, regardless of what anyone says. Put him in the right situation, get him a bit comfortable. He could be a nice player, and now Drew Holiday's out of the mix. Maybe that gives him a bit more confidence and motivation to get going. Brandon Ingram absolutely love the guy. I think he's a great player. And Zion, you know, as much as we want to always talk about this long-term outlook, in the short term, he's proved to be extremely effective. So we'll see what happens. They'll be in prime time a ton this season. We'll be sure to watch them. They have some other nice pieces around that team. We'll see what happens. But before we move on to our NFL talk, Sammy, give your conference finals predictions and then your finals predictions and your champion for the NBA so we have it on the record. Because next Friday... I will not be on the air, so we'll, we'll knock it out right now. We will miss you, Cole, but we will have a guest host in your place. But uh, my conference finals picks in the East are the Bucks and the Sixers. Obviously, I said this will be a turning point for the Sixers, and I actually have them. We'll get back to that in a minute. But I have the Sixers and Bucks in the East and in the West. I have the Nuggets and Lakers again. I don't have the Nuggets getting that two seed, though, as I have the Mavericks getting that two seed. But I think the Nuggets will make it back to the conference finals and lose again as Jamal Murray. We're going to really see if he is for real or if he is not. How about this, Sammy? I'm going to go against what I said earlier. Bucks and Heat in the East and then Lakers and Clippers in the West. I'm going to ride on that right now. We're going to see what happens. It's bold. Anything can happen in the NBA right now. I think the Lakers beat the Clippers. They go to the finals. And I think the Milwaukee Bucks will find a way to beat the Miami Heat this time around. Maybe they'll have fans in the stands by then. That'll be quite the scene. Hopefully, fingers crossed that that happens for the sake of everyone around the world. But finals, Lakers, Bucks, and, uh, you know, LeBron teaches his young king or prince right now a lesson in Giannis and takes him to school, and I think the Lakers win that series over Milwaukee. Cole, I have the Lakers winning it as well over the Sixers, though, not the Bucks, and it's going to be a great NBA season. Looking forward to it, and let's get to our NFL picks. Yeah, we got around 7 to 10 minutes to knock that out, depending on you know how much time we're allowed to go over the limit. Overtime, maybe we'll get a... a a game-winning drive on this one. But we're going to yes. start with a really one more quick... quick baseball thing. Dave Dombrowski to the Phillies broke right before our show. Going to be interesting what the Phillies can do as they are looking to cut costs, and he is known for spending money. So back to you, Cole, with the NFL 
week. Yeah, interesting dynamic there in Philadelphia. But quick, brief Week 13 recap. Cole went 2-4, and four, bringing him to a record of 21-22. and 22. Only two wins were uh, Rams over Cardinals outright, and then Indianapolis minus 3.5 against Houston. But, you know, we're still only one game under 500. But Sammy, on the other hand, went 2-4 and four yet again, only winning the Buffalo game in both ways. Had Buffalo plus 3 against the Niners and straight up 2-4, and four, bringing him to 13-29-1. My mentioned guy, Josh Allen, Bills Mafia, 375 yards, four touchdown passes. Josh Allen, my guy, played outstanding, finally getting some of that recognition. He's been deserving for a while. Sammy, I'll give Josh Allen the recognition that's more important than anyone in the media right now because it's coming from a Josh Allen uh, hater for the past few years. On the record right now, on this December 11th, in front of you, Sammy, I am finally admitting that Josh Allen is a top-tier quarterback in football. Finally, because you're on the bandwagon. This Bills team looks awesome to me. You know, I think the ever. defense is still a little bit suspect in some ways, but the offense, bro, they, they look unbelievable, man. And Josh Allen, he's done nothing to, you know, prove me right this season. So I guess I have no choice but just to admit that I was wrong. One thing I've been right on makes me feel good. Ad- admit that I was wrong. And, you know, I will say he definitely benefited a ton from getting put in the absolute perfect situation in Buffalo uh, and – most quarterbacks in the NFL, especially my guy Sam Darnold, would absolutely kill to be put in the situation that he's been put in, similar to a guy like True. Patrick Mahomes who is put in a dream, or Tom Brady who is put in a dream, you know, and then there's guys like Aaron Rodgers who have to make things for themselves. Do I think Josh Allen is a ceiling raiser yet? I think there's you no know, floor raisers and ceiling raisers. I don't think Josh Allen's a ceiling raiser yet, but I think he's raising the floor really well and he's doing a spectacular job. So if he can keep it up over the next few seasons and continue to improve the sky's the limit for that guy. He's got all the raw talent in the world. But let's go over. I've been week. screaming this forever. I know. I'm finally listening to it. Um, I put my listening ears on, and now I'm listening to you, and I'm going to take your take your advice on it. Um, week 14 preview, games of the week, Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. Sammy, who are you taking in this one, man? Cole, you know how I said I would go against every pick I would take, so in normal situations I would take the Bills, but – since I have to pick the opposite team, I am picking the Steelers. This one, I was very tempted to go with Pittsburgh because I've kind of been holding on to them a little bit, even though they're overrated. And I'm going to go with Buffalo for the fun of it. So I guess we're going to swap roles this week. Colts at Raiders. Who are you taking in this one? Cole, I wouldn't normally took the Raiders, but going back to the theme, give me the Colts. That's a good decision right there, Sammy. I'm taking the Colts too. And we'll go to the next game in AFC North battle between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Who are you taking in this one? Cole, I took the Browns to win the first time. I would have take them, taken them again, but I have to go with the Ravens in this one, so I guess give me Lamar. I'm going to go with the Ravens as well. I really like their performance this past week, and the Browns, people don't realize they did not play well in that second half. It doesn't look like they can finish out a game really well. So we'll see how they come out against a hungry Ravens team looking to you know, get themselves back firmly into the playoff picture. To close our show, locks of the week, Sammy. You can't really you know, swap this one too much, so let's see what yes, we got Yes, I here. can. All right. 
I would have normally taken Washington with the points at the 49ers, but I will be taking the 49ers to cover minus three and a half. Then the Chiefs, I have, I would have had the Dolphins with the points with the Chiefs going to Miami at seven and a half, but I am instead taking the Chiefs to cover. And for my final switch of the week, I would have taken the Bears with the points, Houston going to Chicago, but give me the Texans to cover at the Bears. Two-point spread on that one. We'll see how the strategy works, but I think you're actually going to do better this week. I'm going to take – look, I'm never going to learn from my mistakes of taking these big spreads. I went 0 for 2 on big spreads this week. I don't think I've won a single double-digit spread this whole season. I never take big but spreads, we're gonna, really, and we're I going to keep. We're going to keep doing it. As they say, uh, as, you know, they say I'm part of my take when they do their, their rundown. Some spread. So I'm going to take Seattle minus 13.5 against my Jets. Traveling cross-country to Seattle, no Denzel Mims in the mix. I just can't see the Chets, especially after, after a demoralizing loss and a brand-new defensive coordinator. I feel pretty good about this one. Minus 13 I and feel half the for Jets Seattle getting to within, within a touchdown. I don't know why. Oh, I feel like they're going to lose by seven only this week. No, Seattle's no, hungry coming off a crappy game against the Giants. I don't think they have two straight bad performances against New York squads. Tennessee will take minus seven and a half against Jacksonville. I think they need a bounce-back game as well, and they kind of feel angry because, you know, they had a terrible first half, and they had a great second half, so maybe they'll continue that momentum into this week. And to cap it off, Kansas City minus 7.5 will share that pick against Miami. Guess we'll both be rooting against Tua this week. And that's going to do it for our show. Right in the dot, 4.59. Great job today. Great stuff. And unfortunately, I will not be there next week which means that we will not be on air together until 2021, until next year. So it's going to be a long time until we're back together on air on WKWG. I would like to wish all our, all our followers a happy Hanukkah and a Merry Christmas for when that comes up and a happy new year. As Colin said, we will not be back together until 2020, 2021, but looking forward to that and, Looking forward to a great year and great season of football to wrap it up. Yeah, we'll come back in January with some amazing playoff coverage. The NBA season will be in full swing by then. Hockey will be shortly approaching. Um, I mean, unfortunately, and the talk MLB a lot. shortly approaching as well. Well, maybe not in January. Let's not get ahead of ourselves right here. I but mean, you know, everything's maybe. coming back together. So, you know, fingers crossed that uh, COVID is controlled more by that time it's looking really poorly poor right now i see sammy putting his fingers crossed two fingers crossed on um on camera right now virtually but hopefully by that time we're still in school doing what we love talking sports learning in school doing everything along those lines getting this station constructed together it's gonna look fantastic we can't wait to show you guys the finished product i don't know when sammy will finally see it in person but it will come eventually We'll see. There's nothing much to see right now. Just just progress. Um, well, I guess that's it for uh, the, the mini announcements, but that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm Cole Nevins. That was Sammy Sherry alongside myself, and that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you. Have a great night. Have a great weekend, and have a fantastic holiday break. Signing off here in WKWZ 88.5 Syosset.